Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 36 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and spirit guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Byron Stroud of Immonolith and formerly of Strapping Young Lad and more discusses his first band, and I recommend American Standards. Before all that, I welcome guitarist, vocalist, and all-around mastermind of Obscura, Stefan Kummerer. Obscura just released their album, Diluvium, and he joined me to talk about the new album, cover songs, his black metal band, Tulkandra, and more. So before I begin my chat with Stefan, here is some of the opium track of Diluvium. This is Clandestine Stars. Hey. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. We're a day before our release and, well, everything is extremely busy. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yeah, a lot of, lot of uh, last minute things to do for us as bands and all the promoters are getting crazy, but I'm happy talking to you and, well, I have an hour, so ask me whatever you want. <laughs> I unfortunately do these on my lunch break from work, so I've got about maybe 25 half hour before I got to jump, so we'll uh, not take too much of your time. Uh, but uh, how are you feeling about the okay. new album? You got like butterflies coming? Because it's a, a big deal for you. Uh, I would say it's always it's always uh, a surprise how uh, an album turns out um, and how the feedback is going to become from press and, uh, and the fans while you as a musician are completely into into producing, writing a record for like one or two years and you're not objective. But of course, it's always uh, interesting to see how the album turns out for the public. Uh, does the public opinion sway how you approach your future projects at all? Actually, not, not really, because you can't, you, you can't handle how people think about you as, an, as a musician, as an artist. So you rather do and be honest to yourself instead of trying to follow a plan if there's something like that to, to impress people on a certain level and become bigger or something. I think integrity and honesty and being honest to yourself is more important than trying to, well, write music for a certain, a certain plan or something that doesn't work in that genre we are playing anyway. Of course. Uh, one thing about the recent album is that there was only a couple years between this one. Between albums three and four, there was quite a few. Uh, what inspired the quicker turnaround? Or, uh, like, I don't know, how did this one, why did this one work quicker than last time? Oh, well, after, after the third record, we had a couple of lineup changes, and the whole band was pretty much burned out for being on the road for roughly four years or five years. In 2014, two members left the band, and it simply took some time. To fill the gaps while between Acrasis and uh, like, like the previous record and now the new one, Diluvium, simply uh, we have been stable as a band, as a group, and uh, 
everything was fine around. Also, the circumstances have been fine. So that's just normal. If everything around is doing well and treating you well, uh, I think you can deliver records pretty, not, not faster than, than usual, but simply more efficient, as we say in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, the efficiency. Sorry. That, that cliche is one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's completely fine. It's hilarious, actually. Um, this marks the conclusion of a series of concept albums. How are you feeling about wrapping the story? Like, are you emotional about it all, or is it kind of a relief that you can now focus on different ideas? Um, it's both. And on the one hand, I'm, of course, relieved uh, that we can do whatever what we want. On the other side, I'm really proud and, and happy that we finished what we once started around 10 years ago, something when we wrote uh, the first of those four records that happened in 2000. Seven, eight, something, and uh, it simply took longer than we expected. It took uh, roughly ten years, and uh, we had more or less follow a certain path. So the the outlines, the framework for all the four records have been there. Also, there was enough headroom to include ideas you have recently, or uh, you're, you're changing your mind uh, about certain certain topics. That that all happened within this this long time frame, and. I'm happy that we finished it, but I'm also grateful to do something else, whatever it may be in the future. I was actually ignorant to the fact that they were indeed concept albums. Could you enlighten me to a general idea of what the uh, the story is? Well, the four records somewhere have been rooted in the idea of uh, connecting the, the contract we back then signed. We had a record deal about four albums, and we thought about the idea to more or less put all of those records together, not, not in a certain way to work on a on an image. We haven't been that far at the time, but we somehow wanted to connect it like Led Zeppelin did back in the days when they simply numbered their um, their records. And also Cannibal Corpse have been a, a big influence, which sounds a little bit controversial, but uh, I simply like the band very much. And the idea of seeing a band Im and immediately recognizing okay it's their their art their music or vice versa if you see an artwork or i don't know a vinyl a t-shirt or anything from a certain band you immediately know okay this is this is cannibal corpse or um this is led zeppelin and having i don't know in, in business uh, you would uh, call it a corporate identity so what we basically did is uh, working on four records with the same producer working with the same art artist for the cover artworks, Orion Lando from uh, the United States, and also more or less worked out a plan how to combine all of those four records into a certain story. And that story is based on uh, the, the four elements that are also represented uh, through the colors, and there are always opposites built in between. For example, the, the names of the covers are with Cosmogenesis and Akrasis, the opposites, if you see the whole record as a cycle and omnivium and diluvium the new record are also opposites and also the cover the, the colors are always the opposite of each other and the whole thing is more or less representing a a circle of life and death of well the first record is dealing with uh, the origin of everything the second with the evolution the third one uh, is more about well the 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 
developing your own uh, consciousness. And the fourth one is the apocalyptic one. So you have a whole cycle of life and death that is always repeating. And we combine all this between music, lyrics, the artworks and everything. Again, it took longer than we expected, but <laughs> we finished it. I mean, you covered the entirety of existence in four albums. That's kind of impressive if you if you put it like that. But I, I guess if you had a timetable ahead of you and you didn't meet it, that's uh, your own expectations you're battling. Well, we haven't had a timetable at all, but it simply took longer than we expected. Uh, think about that the band exists since... 2002, so basically 16 years, and we started after, well, having the band running for four or five, five years when we started for songwriting for that particular record, starting with that cycle. So we haven't been that experienced at the time. We didn't know how long it would take to tour the world, <laughs> to be honest. And that simply started when we put out the first record through Relapse Records. We became an international touring band, and this was completely unexpected for us, at least. It's got to be kind of nice, kind of neat. Uh, did you always look forward to touring or being like a big rock star? Uh, I'm not going to become a rock star in this life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not with that kind of music. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, to a degree, I mean, there's there's pockets in mainly Europe where I feel like you're able to be a bigger, grander kind of spectacle person than stateside for some reason. But uh, I think it's pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I hear um, uh, What I wanted to say... Damn it. Um, yeah, touring. I think the most... Uh, the first... Uh, you, you have to differ a little bit. The first time you visit a certain place, it's always uh, an adventure. It's always very interesting. You, you visit a new culture. You visit uh, places you haven't been before. Especially um, for us as Europeans, it was completely new uh, to visit... Uh, North America, Central America, we have been in Asia and all those places. When you do it a second time or a third time or even a fourth time, then it gets a little bit, well, not, not boring, but, um, well, a standard, so to say. And uh, that was also a reason why uh, after two records of those four album cycle, two members simply left because it, it almost felt like a job. And then you should rather reflect what you're doing and uh, think about what you're doing. So uh, there's always a positive and a ne negative aspect about touring, but in general, uh, I really like it. I love to play live, but the circumstances have to be right. And we, to be honest, had not only a lot of problems, but um, as a small underground band, you have to eat a lot of shit on the road and simply ha learn, learn it the hard way how things work on the road doesn't matter if you tour in Europe stateside or anywhere else it's everywhere the same and we simply have had uh, well we had the long way to go and after like 10 12 years it somehow had a turning point and I would say when we released Akrasis things turned out to be better so when we have been able to well split the work on several shoulders, that means we first got a small crew and we we started to, well, have a, a bus or at least some some small low-key hotels and not uh, sleeping somewhere at uh, random people <laughs> after a show. Then it got a little bit more entertaining and exciting, to be honest. The first thing was cool when we have been young, but now 
<laughs> I'm getting old. I'm mid thirty, <laughs> so uh, uh, sleeping on the floor uh, with a beer drunken, uh, I don't know, venue where twenty people visited your show is something I would rather not do anymore. It was fun when I was a teenager, but now not anymore. That's compl- anyway. Completely fair. Sorry, you're saying. Uh, what I wanted to say to come to a bottom line uh, I still love touring a lot and uh, I can't wait to go out on tour again and play everywhere I'll be looking forward to when you swing my way um, coming back to the new record just a little bit uh, like we discussed the story is wrapping have you already begun thinking about what is next for Obscura or you as far as concepts or shifts in sound or anything I have a couple of loose ideas for the next records but, I mean, tomorrow we are going to release the new album and it's a little bit early talking about. What I want to do is simply underline that long-lasting, huge project we simply finished. So what I want to do, it's an idea. I'm not sure if you can make it happen. It's always a question of budget. But what I want to do is basically playing each of those four records on a different continent as a whole and recording everything on audio and video. And somehow release it that's something i don't think any band did so far so that's something we can do and especially as a death metal band it's something really special i know it's not quite the same thing but i know coed and cambria released a bunch of their albums played in full but that was all one venue the idea of different continents seems really interesting or different countries at least and maybe kickstart it see if you can do like a crowdfunding thing for it because i mean metal fans are pretty rabid they'll pay for a lot of things Mm, um I, I really don't like this uh, Kickstarter, GoFundMe, and uh, crowdfunding idea. To be honest, we've been one of the well, we have been one of the first bands doing it, at least here in in, in Europe. Uh, we had, uh, uh, released a, a demo collection many years ago, and uh, since we haven't been sure if people really want it, it's it wasn't a matter of budget. It was simply more or less a question directly to our fans: Do you want to have this release? Yes or no? Yes pre-order it if not okay we leave it where it is um it was pretty successful but uh, the whole work around it it's basically the same a record label does so i would rather go with a record label and have it done by real professionals who do all of this the whole day and well as their profession instead of uh, working our ass off doing it completely on our own so i completely understand your point of course uh, metal fans especially when they are a fan of a certain band, they really support them in every possible way. And all those crowdfunding is a certain is a certain option. But I think at some points it's a little bit shady. Hard to explain, but I don't like it at all.
That was some of Convergence from the latest Obscure album, Deluvium. I'll have more of Stefan in a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Byron Stroud of A Monolith discusses his heavy origins. <laughs> my first band was called Silent Frenzy. <laughs> and that was, uh, we did like, man, we did like Alice Cooper covers and Kiss covers and stuff like that. I remember playing our high school, like, gymnasium at lunchtime and and uh i think our original i can't remember but i'm sure they were pretty pretty terrible could could you listen to it now without cringing no <laughs> <laughs> definitely not man definitely not i don't even know i don't even think i need winging it <laughs> that is a that is a pretty constant in this question if you could listen to it unless like the band you're in now is yeah. your first band that's the only thing where it doesn't Byron and the rest of a monolith are currently recording their debut album for samples and updates follow the band over at facebook.com slash a monolith band that's i-m-o-n-o-l-i-t-h-b-a-n-d now before we get back with stefan of obscura here are some of his black metal band tulkandra who are about to begin their next album until then from under a frozen sun this is in blood and fire shifting gears a bit i read that you were in choir as a kid uh, how did you find your way to metal from being a choir kid <laughs> oh dear <laughs> uh well uh, i was vis- visiting a uh a music school a boarding school for musical gifted kids when i was nine and ten years and uh, i learned the basics about music singing and also playing piano but that was a, a, at a very young age, so nine and ten years. And when I turned like 14, 15, I was simply not interested in Bach or Wagner or all of those old classic music at all anymore. It was simply a normal rebellious aspect uh, to reach out for for more extreme music. And it was completely different. And somehow I went to uh our local library which has the best <laughs> cd collection ever uh you go into uh, the library of uh, the city of lancet and you megadeth 
Metallica, <laughs> even some Carcass records. It's hilarious. And, wow. And uh, somehow there and through all of my friends and the, the local scene, I went to the more extreme way. And when I listened to Deathstonic, Atheist, Pestilence, Dissection, Emperor at the time, I simply started to, well, first listen to only to extreme music. Then I bought a, a guitar at the age of 16. I remember that in March 2002. And a couple of months later, I founded my first band, which is still working as the band Obscura. Wow, that actually that wraps up uh, one of my last questions I usually ask folks. Well, what I find interesting about you being in choir as a kid and, and, it, and then in the world of Obscura is a lot of your vocals, when they are sung clean, are kind of modulated or run through an effect in a way that kind of reminds me of Cynic. Uh, do you not like your voice now? Um... Yeah, or, is this, or is this like a stylistic choice? Because it sounds fucking cool, but it just had me wondering. Well, it was basically a mixture. First, it was an experiment. Uh, if we can reproduce this sound at all uh, for the the record Cosmogenesis. It was more like a, a, a little detail. And we uh, worked on a couple of different techniques, how to evolve this, this certain sound, this, this spacey sound. And then we... Uh, worked on the, the whole procedure how to get the sound. Usually you work with a certain, well, sound modulizer and uh, you have a certain chord that is brought to the input. In that case, I'm, I'm screaming into a microphone and, uh, well, on the back end you get this uh, cynic-like sound. But we changed the whole procedure a lot. So working on those vocals is very, very much like uh, working on a real instrument. So all of those Vocal lines are basically written um, on the piano first or, or on a guitar and then translated into our certain system. So it's not like a modulation to the guitars or anything. It's a complete instrument on its own. So it's a mixture out of being an instrument, being a choir and being, well, the main vocals. And I really like it. It's something unique and... <laughs> I, I don't know any other artist than, well, Sunuk, but also Kanye West who is using it. But right. it doesn't sound that strange when we do it, I would say. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize you were screaming when you were doing those modulations. I kind of always assumed it was just clean vocals then processed. But you scream those as well? Um, it's mixed. Sometimes it's uh, simply whispering. Sometimes it's um, screaming. Sometimes I'm really singing. And also there are real sung parts, like on the on the real choir. Parts. We also have real clean vocals on the records. Um, it's it's always a mixture, and uh, you can alter the the certain sounds completely. Uh, it's a certain system, and whatever you put in, it has a a different outcome. And uh, for example, if you're whispering, you have a more percussive sound, and it sounds way more clean than uh, if you're screaming. But if you're screaming, you all must have a certain well distorted sound within the cleans which also can be nice so it's a lot of work around and uh, as I mentioned it's um, as when you see the whole obscure universe and uh, uh, the audio system we have and uh, all the frequency ranges especially those choirs this uh, strange strange choirs or vocoder sounds are a certain instrument uh, that are uh, important piece of the overall sound of the band nowadays. Of course. Um, going back in time a little bit, uh, on the illegitimation, how, I, sorry, I've never actually heard that title said out loud. 
illegitimation. <laughs> have uh, you recorded some covers that were uh, that were really really cool? Um, but were there any things that you tried to cover that just didn't work in an obscure setting? Oh, I don't remember. To be honest, we recorded those, especially those covers you mentioned, that have been a recording session alongside the pre-production for Cosmogenesis in 2006, I guess. And uh, we recorded a couple of more covers you may know. Uh, the others are on the Japanese edition of Retribution. So there was an additional Behemoth cover, Suffocation, I remember... Ugh. I actually, I actually I didn't know that, later. so I'm going to have to find those. That's cool. Uh, even Vader, uh, the Polish band Vader, mm-hmm. and a couple of other songs. But I don't remember that we ever started to cover a song that didn't work out. We don't do covers at all anymore. Ah, sure, I remember one. During the Omnivium recording sessions, we did Rocky Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions. Oh, shit, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we never finished it, simply because there was a, a certain joke going on when we have been in Japan for the first time, because they call us, we are the Scorpions of death metal. <laughs> <laughs> and we simply wanted to fire back, but we never finished it. <laughs> I may do that in the, in the future somewhere. If we still have the recordings, I'm I'm not sure. I remember the basic tracks are done, and only bass leads and the vocals are missing. But that would be fun. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know if it works out at all. If if I'm able to sing in that uh, uh, in that part in that direction, but would be fun. <laughs> I don't know if you follow too much of like alternative rock or indie rock or something, but the band Weezer was annoyed by their fans for years to cover uh, Africa by Toto. And I really hope this podcast starts a campaign to get you guys to release that cover, because it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be killer. <laughs> All right, so that's where, that, that's where my advertising for this episode's going. Um, uh, from those covers, you guys did the death song, uh, Flesh and the Power That It Holds. Is that, why, is that how you wound up on the Death to All like project? I don't think so. Um, we choose this song, or, or rather I choose this song because that was the first song I, w- I could ever play on the guitar. And uh, this demo collection was released in 2012, so it was basically a 10-year anniversary after the band was founded. And I simply wanted to, well, have a certain link to the very early days, and this was a special song to me. And the Death to All thing, I don't know how that happened, to be honest. We had a tour in 2010 or 11, I don't remember exactly, in Japan, and our bassist back then was not able to do it, so somehow Steve DiGiorgio played with us all the tour, uh, the, the whole tour and all the shows. And since then we simply became friends and have been in touch. And uh, I remember Eric Greif, their manager, and he was a promoter of a show of I guess one of the Obscura shows in North America or Canada, I don't remember exactly. It's a long time ago, a long time ago. And, well, he was a promoter. We uh, were able to get along very well and also became friends after a while. And at, out, of an, uh, out of nothing, I simply got the offer, hey, you want to do Death to All uh, alongside uh, Charles Elliott from Abysmal Dawn and sing everything from, I guess, Human and, uh, and later. <laughs> Uh, I thought uh, that's a good damn joke, but uh, after some back and forth, uh, I agreed to do it, (laughs) and it was a good decision, to be honest, and um, 
for me personally, that have, has been the the band where I picked up a guitar, especially Chuck Schuldiner, and playing all those songs, especially together with the well, those members that recorded those songs and and played most of the tours, that was really special. And what impressed me most is simply that all of those involved people, especially the guys with the big names like Steve DiGiorgio, Gene Hoglin, Sean Reiner, Paul Masvidal, all of them with a big reputation are simply with both feet on the ground and fantastic to hang out with. And we all became friends, very, very close actually. And that that's simply jaw-dropping for me, being a fan and, well, getting into all those cycles and, well, calling these people my friends and seeing how, well, how close they are with the fans and simply doing what they love is impressive. It's really impressive and uh, I can't be more happy, to be honest. I actually interviewed Gene for this this podcast maybe a year ago and I was surprised that he was just like the sweetest guy. It was I didn't know what I was expecting, but it was he was so comedy and just like the nicest guy talking to him. So I, I absolutely see it. Um... You wear a bunch of different, like, creative hats. You have the ultra-technical, progressive death metal side of Obscura, and then you've got, like, the more straightforward black metal project of Fulcandra. When you are writing, do you sit down and decide, I'm going to write black metal right now, or does the riff kind of go to the certain project? Well, usually I have to work in, in a certain time budget, so to say, I only have certain time spots to write on music and then it's always completely focused in one band. So when I'm writing for Obscura, that's what we did last year before we had to the studio. I simply haven't had a, a certain mindset for writing anything for Tulkandra and uh, vice versa, it's the same. So when I'm writing for Tulkandra, I guess in this summer, we're, we're starting to uh, working on a new record. It's not possible to think about uh, some technical music. I, I really have to do things piece by piece, not parallel, when it comes to songwriting. I, I need a certain mindset, and uh, then then it's pretty easy. And I don't have to separate because I simply don't write anything that's too technical or in in the certain mood that is uh, not fitting to the to the band I'm working on at the moment. And uh, early, early on in our chat, you mentioned getting excited to be back out on the road doing touring sometime soon. Uh, when can we expect you in the, the U.S. or North America, I guess? Um, we just uh, announced a huge North American tour. Oh, where the hell have I been? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dates are going to be announced tomorrow. Sick. And we are doing a headlining tour in the United States and also Canada. And uh, we are headlining... Uh, we invited Beyond Creation, Artspire, Inferi, and Exist. And, well, there's the bottom line and uh, throw back to Death to All because Exist is the band of the other Death to All singer Max Phelps, a good friend of mine. Very we cool. want to support. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, I, I love the new record. I'm excited to see it coming out tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be checking out on this tour I did not know about, but one I'll be obsessing about. So, all right, dude. Thank you so much for talking to me. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, thank you very much, and uh, if you want to visit one of the shows, just drop me a line. You have my contact through Skype, and of course, you are our guest for Fantastic. or ten drinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. I'll hold on to this. Thank you so much. You too. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Uh, oh, no. Nice working uh, day. Yeah, Bye. it's uh, noon, so I'll get back to work. <laughs> Goodbye. Later. 
Oblivion by Obscura is out now via Relapse Records. For more on the band, like the newly announced North American tour dates, head to facebook.com slash realmofobscura and go to realmofobscura.com. I end every episode with a recommendation, and in this episode, I bring you the latest single of the Phoenix, Arizona hardcore outfit, American Standards. Here's the song Weep in its entirety.
For more on American Standards, head to facebook.com slash American Standards and buy the track over at americanstandards.bandcamp.com. Now that's American spelled normal, standards, S-T-N-D-R-D-S. So, no A's in standards. .bandcamp.com. That does it for another episode of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. If you want to talk to me, you can do so at farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com, like American Standards did. Um... I'm on Twitter at Ovacord. The show is at underscore far beyond metal. And you may like the show over at facebook.com slash far beyond metal. And as always, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.